Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Greetings and welcome to episode 255 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. What's happening, Barb? How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah? You just said how busy you were. I am busy. I like to be busy, though. I don't like to be slow. Slow sucks. I tell you, this week has blown by. Yep, exactly. You know, I started with Derby, what am I, like four or five months now, and yeah. slowly building, and now everybody knows about me now. <laughs> and now you're getting calls and texts and come help me's, and yeah, I know how that goes, right? That's what it's all about. That's why right. I chose it. I love it. <laughs> service rules. So we want to get right to the episode. We got some great stuff. But yes. first, we want to remind everybody about this crazy group on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Now, Barb and I did not start this, but it's called Fans of Voices from the Bench. It's a fun group of people that listen often and reference episodes every week. And, and cuss words. And cuss words. Us. <laughs> yeah, they tend to make fun of us quite a bit. But that's okay. It's all in good spirit. Yep. It's our good friend Joe Young from Young Dental Lab. He's the one that started it. So blame him. Hi, Joe. <laughs> but it came to our attention that there's a few phrases that Barb and I say a lot uh. on the episodes. You don't even really know you're doing it until you record yourself every week and then you realize you say it a lot. Yeah, we might be jerks. Yeah, Barb, your saying is just saying. <laughs> yours is holy schmoly. Which I had no idea I said it that much, but I guess there's worse things to say. So, well, At least you're not cussing. That's true. That's true. Joe put both of these sayings on stickers for Lab Day Chicago. To get a sticker, you got to head over to the NOAC booth. That's our good friends at NOAC Dental Supplies. Hi, Sean. They're going to be in the East Hall. That's booth B46. I don't know why people tell me the booth number. I could not tell you where B46 is. Do what everyone else does. Walk around in the East Hall until you find NOAC. (laughs) Yeah. So you got to go to the NOAC booth and you got to tell them that you're fans of the podcast. And they'll give you a sticker. You can choose Just Saying or Holy Schmoly. You get the sticker, you put it on, and while you're walking around Lab Day, you'll see other people wearing the stickers. And then you'll know they're also a fan, and then everybody can make fun of Barb and I together all at the same time. I like that. That is such a great idea. Thank you, Joe and Sean and Brandy. You guys are amazing. All right. So this week, we're not going to mention that we're recording at the Ivaclar Ballroom in two weeks at LMT Lab Day Chicago. We're not going to mention it. Nope, don't mention it at all. Because this episode is all about that. Yes. And Ivaclar's 100th anniversary that they're celebrating in Chicago. We are joined by the Director of Marketing for Ivaclar, Laura Gilbert. Laura talks about her background and some neat insight into Ivaclar's marketing. And of course, she also gives us the lowdown on all the amazing things Ivaclar has planned for during the show. From the parties to the speakers and to a really neat way to chat directly with dental influencers, which, Barb, I don't think we are one. I'm not sure. Stop it. (laughs) But... This is the place to be during Lab Day. Yeah. You definitely want to make sure you stop by the Ivaclar Ballroom. But joining Laura is an actual real dental influencer, Dr. David Rice. 
Dr. Rice will also be in the Ivoclar Ballroom on the Friday, but Barb and I, we take the opportunity to ask him some general questions about the clinician-laboratory relationship. Which is so important. And he does a great job giving us some real answers. Yep. Dr. Rice to a group called Ignite DDS that helps dentists succeed when they just get out of school. And we know how important it is for them to partner with a great lab. So join us as we chat with Laura Gilbert and Dr. David Rice all about the Ivoclar 100-year celebration. Did you know that Ivoclar has a whole new generation of lab scanners? The new ProgressScan PS3 and PS5 provide true-to-detail, high-resolution, and accurate scans for coordinated digital workflows that are precise, fast, and of course, always accurate. The PS3 and PS5 are powered by the popular and intuitive dental CAD software from ExoCAD. Whether you're looking for your first scanner to upgrade or add to your existing scanners, the ProgressCan may be the one for you. So customize your digital journey. Reach out to your friendly Ivoclar sales representative to select a scanner that matches the needs of your lab. Do it today. Let them know you heard about it on the podcast, as we always appreciate your support, Ivoclar. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. Excited today, we have a great group with us to talk about an upcoming Lab Day Ivoclar 100 year celebration. We have Laura Gilbert. Am I saying that right? Laura Gilbert, yep. Laura Gilbert from Ivoclar. What's your role at Ivoclar? Marketing? Yeah, so I'm the director of marketing for North America for all of our technical products on the fixed and removable and digital side. That's only a few products, right? That's no small role. (laughs) Just a couple. Yeah, Yeah, just like two or three, right? So it's real easy. Yeah. And then joining Laura, they were gracious enough to bring us someone that's going to be at their grand ballroom in Chicago, Dr. David Rice. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. So before we get into the whole... What's going on in the celebration at Lab Day? I'd like to kind of learn a little bit more about you, Dr. Rice. It seems like once I learned of you, I see you everywhere now. Yeah. So it seems like you pop up everywhere, social media. I've seen a couple videos. So briefly, let's go into how you got into dentistry and what you do that's different than your average dentist. Sure. Thanks for asking. So I, boy, I've been a dentist for 28 years now. Followed a, you know, a fairly typical path for my time from dental school to doing a postgraduate program. I worked for a dentist for a few years and then I bought my first practice, went on to buy a couple more and do a startup practice as well. I'm an educator at heart. So years ago, I taught part-time at Buffalo's Dental School in addition to running my practice. And maybe 10 years ago now, I founded Ignite DDS. And, you know, we're a community of young dentists, of dental students. We try to pull in the entire team into the process. And goal is, you know, grow up a better generation of dental professionals 
than my own and unite us all. You know, we're, we're very siloed in dentistry, which um, can be problematic. I know all of your listeners really know that. Yep. So my days today are spent, uh, you know, working with dentists from, you know, all over North America. And then, yes, I still am a clinical dentist uh, back in Amherst, New York. Wow. So don't you live in St. Pete? I do live in St. Pete. So I live in uh, Clearwater and I see you a lot. So you're, you're clinically still practicing in Amherst? I am. I go back every other month and I chunk my clinical time. So I go and I do clinical dentistry for, you know, days on end. And then when I leave Amherst, New York, I, I don't do that dentistry for another two months, typically. Wow. And you just hang out on the beach all the time, <laughs> lounge and what Florida people do. Yeah. You know, whatever Florida people do, I don't, I still haven't figured out what, what Florida people do, but uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm at home base, I'm building those videos that you see, just generating content and really building a lot of virtual education from home. So Ignite DDS is just finding those new clinicians and their team members and making sure that they all work together. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that's a great synopsis of it. You know, what, what I've learned in my time as a dentist is there's really three big pillars. So there's a clinical pillar, there's a business pillar, and there's a, a leadership pillar. So, you know, same story, really, when you look in the lab space. When, in today's world, we've got to be great at all three. You can't just, be, you know, you can't just be a great lab technician anymore. You have yeah. to have, you know, be business savvy and learn how to lead a team full of people. And so that's what I do on the dentist side. And then, you know, in addition to the education, we, we connect. So we, we find the best people on all facets of dentistry and we, you know, we bring them in front of our young dentists who are, you know, say graduation day through 15 years out. 15 years. Is that still considered a new dentist at 15 years? <laughs> so, the, so the American <laughs> Dental Association labels it at 10. I would argue that we're pretty slow really? moving in today's world. So 15, I think, is a pretty good number. Really? They consider 10-year dentists still new? They yeah. do. That is that. kind of insulting, if you <laughs> ask me. <laughs> so, Dr. Sink, do, do they seek you out? How do you find those dentists that are willing to learn all three of those things? And how do they find you? Uh, great question. You know, back in the day when I first started Ignite, I literally ran around, you know, 46 weeks a year. I'm down to about 35 weeks a year. So I'm out and about all the time in front of audiences you know, at meetings like Chicago Midwinter, for example. Mm -hmm. But digitally today, you know, we reach just a little over a million people per month on our social media channels for wow. Ignite DDS. So we reach a lot of people socially. Yeah, that's that's quite the reach. So how did you hook up with Ivaclar? I, I will tell you, good fortune. My practice is 10 minutes door to door from Ivaclar's HQ. Well, that makes it easy. Super easy. So, you know, years ago, those of you been doing this for a, a little bit of time, you know, certainly remember Bob Ganley leading Ivoclar's team for oh, yes. all those years. So I met Bob and, you know, his to Pierre and, and that whole crew very early on as a young dentist. And very thankfully, they liked my dentistry enough to become patients. So Ivoclar's team over the course of my first five years as a practice owner, you know, came to me as their dentist. And then thank God I have a really great team. So we started photographing everything that we did and, and we became content generators with Ivaclar, you know, in addition to 
sort of the unofficial team dentist. Wow. So that was way back when we did Empress. Did you do Bob Ganley's Empress? (laughs) (laughs) Remember HIPAA? Yeah. Sorry. Did you do... uh... A lot of Empress on the Avatar folks. <laughs> I did a lot of Empress for a lot of people. And, wow. uh, you know, it's funny. I just saw my mom the other day. She's had her Empress veneers for 24 years now. Wow. Yeah. So you guys know, right? When we use the best materials and the best techniques, things last. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Get the best results. Absolutely. So, Laura, briefly, let's talk about how you got hooked up with Iva Clark. I mean, did you come from dental? I didn't actually. Initially, I went to school for communications and then got my marketing degree as well. And um, I started at IBM and I was there for about eight years. So completely on the tech side, the tech industry of e-business and, and the launch of that. And then I decided I really wanted to get into more product management. And so um, I was lucky enough to start my dental career with Densply in Canada. So I'm in I'm Canadian. I live just outside of Toronto. And I spent about eight years with, uh, with Densply Canada. And uh, really, they were a stepping stone for me, um, where I learned a tremendous amount about the lab technology from, you know, I started in dentures and, and analog denture teeth and that whole process and sure. then integrated digital so when the position came up at Ivoclar, I looked at them as kind of the marketing great within the industry. And so um, I was really lucky to be able to make that jump. And I've been with Ivoclar now for just over 10 years and um, in a North American role, um, managing technical. And so, yeah, I, can't, I couldn't be happier. So when you say managing technical, like what is that like day to day? Do you deal with labs or new products or both? Well, yeah, both. But the the nice thing about my role is that I don't just deal with laboratories and their and the owners. Um, we deal with denturists and we deal with dentists. So I get kind of the full round of dealing with all of our customers, and then also you know trying to get to that end user customer, which is ultimately the one who needs the the restoration, the patient, we try and communicate to them the materials that they deserve. And then we work with our dentists, our denturists, and our laboratories to highlight products to them. Um, So any new product launches, any events, trade shows, we do a lot of strategy as well. We know the market very well. Day to day, there's no day that's the same. As you know, this industry is evolving so much. um, And within the past 10 years has just catapulted into digital, which I'm loving, but also I have a, a huge love for the analog side of the business. So kind of managing the shift between those two things has been, is a daily conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. You went from IBM to dental. Yeah. Which nerds were easier to work with? <laughs> Computer or dental nerds? Oh boy. Well, definitely <laughs> dental nerds. <laughs> Especially technicians and denturists because, you know, they they want to teach you everything they know and I'm so grateful for that. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm not a technician by any means, but I feel like I've grown within the industry because of our customers teaching us and us listening to, you know, what they actually need. And 
you know, bringing those things together into an, a manufacturing organization is extremely important so that we're making things and putting things to market that our customers actually need. Um, so, yeah, it, I would definitely say the dental nerds are, are much easier. <laughs> yeah, that was the right answer. Yeah, yeah. amazing, of yeah. course. <laughs> so you've been with them for 10 years. So you didn't do the famous Emacs lips <laughs> ad because I'm tr still trying to figure out who came up with that. I didn't do the famous Emacs lips, but the the lips were probably I would say the brainchild of Grace Garrity, who's our vice president of. Is it her um, fault? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's her fault. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was actually one of the reasons why I, I wanted to work for Ivor Clark because when I was with the previous company, we were in Chicago and those lips were everywhere. Yeah. Like, you know, and I was like, <laughs> wow, this is fantastic. You know, what better way to showcase such a beautiful aesthetic product than with that image? And uh, so, yeah, but Grace Garrity and the marketing team prior to me coming on board was responsible for that great campaign. That's hilarious. I'm going to ask her about it. <laughs> See, if, I'm going to ask her if they're her lips. <laughs> Dr. Rice, we were uh, talking a little bit before we got started through some emails about kind of talking about how we can improve the communication between dentist and lab. So I know that you probably use quite a few labs with your practice. You know, a short list, I'm going to say. Really? Because they say the average is about three to four. That's Yeah, that's probably average. And, you know, and again, I'm a lot blessed in that you know, Ivoclar itself has a pretty cool lab team that I have access to. So uh, I might not be your typical dentist today okay. that I was differently, you know, 26, seven years ago. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I would say Emacs, if I might ask, is Emacs your number one go-to product that you go to? Are you mostly doing veneer and smile design cases or do you also do some removable? You know, I do some removable, but you're right. Emacs is is a workhorse yeah. for me and has been really since its inception. Um, veneers, full coverage, partial coverage. We do a lot of, you know, indirect inlay only type restorations. And it's, I mean, it's the best of all worlds. It's, it's beautiful. It's strong. It's been around. It's got longevity, which we can't say about a lot of materials in dentistry today. Yep. That's very true. So much of that we use doesn't have as much clinical time as Emacs, as we just talked about. When you deal with the patient, do you talk about materials? Or is it kind of like a taboo subject when dealing directly with patients? You know, I do, but I don't necessarily bring it up as, hey, let's talk dental materials today. What I ask them is, you know, there's there's really two factors for me as a, as a dentist when I'm looking at what I would have in my own mouth and I'm trying to gauge what they're looking for. The first one is how pretty does this restoration need to be, whatever it is, and how strong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, occasionally I'll have a patient who's like, listen, I want to be on the next cover of XYZ magazine. <laughs> and um, the Hollywood smile. <laughs> how do you not roll your eyes? Yeah. And, and, you know, we all know that that means take Emacs for an example. You know, we're going to cut it back and we're going to layer and we're going to do go through all those extra steps. And what we also know is as beautiful as it is and as strong as it is that we, we compromise it as opposed to if it was monolithic. Mm -hmm. And I have a conversation that way. I want to know. And, and, and I just want my patients to truly understand that 
there's always a give and a take. So as a patient, I want you involved in the conversation to know what the limitations are. And then thankfully, most of our patients trust us and say, well, what would you do? And we get to share that. And, um, you know, sometimes we get fooled by a patient, but not so much anymore. So have you found like recently in the last five years, a change in what your patients are looking for, where they don't want to see the translucency and the mammalons and the surface texture? Or do you find that they're still really, really liking that translucency and, and all of those things that make a tooth look natural? Great question. I would say with our patient demographics, we have always had that challenge of patients who want um, Hollywood as compared mm. to, you know, mother nature. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, and I, and I learned that lesson the hard way, you know, I built <laughs> 12 spectacular veneers that still to this, all these years later are my very favorite. And then, you know, cut them all off because my patient wanted, right. you know, that white with, with zero characterization. And I'm, I guess, you know, on the downside, it was a hard lesson to learn on the upside. Um, I learned it really early on in my career. Yeah. So, you know, conversationally, that comes up all the time. Yeah. So I'm a ceramist by nature. And um, I, uh, just from what I've seen the last five years that the patients are demanding more and more of the non-layered restorations, but they still want to see the halo and the surface texture and the luster and all of that, you know, but they don't necessarily want to see those translucencies that we all love putting in those. So I was just curious if that was similar to what you're seeing. For us, that's happened for many, many years, but I would say to your point in general, as I talk to dentists all over the place, that is definitely the trend. You know, yeah. patients, you know, want that perfect quote bleached smile and they want to be very youthful and they don't necessarily understand that part of youth is some of that translucency and character that's in teeth. They just, you know, they have an image in their head of somebody they saw in a movie on TV or in a magazine. <laughs> so are you doing a lot of BL1s would be my question. I always try to talk <laughs> them into like a BL2 or a BL3 Emacs versus a BL1 that sees it before it. You're even walking in the room and you can see the smiles. But um, I think those ingots are beautiful, personally. The BL2s and 3s. Totally agree. And, if you, and, and those are actually my two favorite ingots to yeah. restore patients with. But yeah, we get a fair fair amount of BL1s. And you know, we, we walk them through the strengths and the, and the weaknesses from an aesthetic standpoint of what that's going to deliver to them. Hmm. Laura, do you know the most common shade for... I have a Clars advertising. <laughs> well, there's not really, I mean, everybody's A1, A2, right? That, that's com most common, but you don't want it to look too blown out either. So um, B1 is, is very popular. It's, that's a hard one to say because we like to use real cases in our advertising. And so it really is dependent on the case that maybe the, the key opinion leader has developed for us or that our yeah. lab team has, has done for us and how it photographs um, because we like it to be organic and, and true to what product is really delivering. So no Photoshopping after the fact. There's no Photoshopping no other than maybe bringing <laughs> light into it to make it stand out. Cause you know, you can put something that you've just photographed into a magazine, but it really will never show the true beauty of it. So you do need to bring a little bit of, of light into it or people say, well, that doesn't look very good. And and I'm sure as a, as a dentist, you know, people who ask for those Hollywood smiles, it kind of goes against everything that 
you've been trained on and, and what dentistry is all about, you don't want to give it to them. And then they say, oh, yeah, Dr. Rice did these for me. And they look like, you know, white chiclets, but that's what the patient wants. So it's so subjective aesthetics to everybody, whether you're looking at it in a magazine or online or in a patient's mouth. I've always said that if I got veneers, that I wouldn't want them to be too white. I want that characterization because I don't want them to look fake. Yeah. Um, I guess mm-hmm. maybe that's just, uh, but I've never had to have that either. So I don't know. Um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And us ceramists, we could change everything. You could see right. the most perfect case and the most beautiful photographs. And you're like, oh, I would just twist this or I would round that. Even on my own work, it makes me crazy. So, I, and I agree, it's in the, uh, it's in the eye of the beholder. And we're all our worst critics. That's right. <laughs> True. Well, that's a great question for Dr. Rice. I mean, how do you handle it when a patient, like you get your cases back from the lab, they look beautiful, patient loves them, but you're not happy with them. You think they could be better. Is the patient the final say? And you're like, I'm going to let this go out my door and let it represent me? That's a great question. So I'm going to say two, two part answer to that one on the front end, you know, my goal is to have a test drive in my, my temporary restoration. So hopefully we've had a great conversation on, on the aesthetics and, you know, including shade and contour and character and polish and the whole nine yards. In that view, I would say we've checked almost all the boxes almost all the time for those patients. But I think to, to, to answer the other side of your question is if I get something back that doesn't match what we prescribed and, and doesn't really truly follow what I was anticipating would come back, then, you know, my, my first job is functional assessment. So if, if I have perfect margins and my perfect proximal contacts and my speech and everything is going to be fine and, and I, I can work my occlusion exactly the way I want it. Then I'll try them in. And if they're, if they're really, really close, but they're not exactly what I want, I'll try them in. If they're mm-hmm. not what I want, I won't even try them in because I don't want that patient to have an opportunity to tell me that they like something and then come back and say, but they really don't look the way they looked the last three weeks in my test. Yeah. Yes. So you'll send them back to the lab and have them tweak them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and usually for me, um, you know, it's a phone call. And I will say this too, we're probably a bit of an enigma you know, if we, if we have a patient coming in, let's say in four weeks or five weeks, and I'm hoping to see my case a week to 10 days in advance and, you know, Christy and Steph and Holly and myself, like we, we look at every case. So usually we would notice if something was off because, you know, we have printed models of our temps, we have, you know, a full prescription, we have photographs of everything. So, you know, 99 out of a hundred times we catch it. And then it's an opportunity for us to pick up the phone and say, hey, something's different than what we talked about. You know, is there a reason? Because, you, you you know, sometimes there are reasons. And if there are reasons, um, functional reasons, then by all means, um, that's great. That's what makes us strong together as a yeah. team, another set of eyes. So I think the key there is you open up that case long before the patient's in the chair. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> it yes. happens all the time where they open it up. Five minutes before the patient sits down and they realize something's not right. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Like our process is a case comes in that day, the case is opened up. It gets set in either my desk or my partner Mark's or Laura's desk. And, and you know, we each review our own cases with our, our dental assistant and we 
you know, it doesn't take very long to assess them to say, hey, is this exactly what we wanted? Almost exactly what we wanted? Or is this mm-hmm. for some reason that something goes sideways? And I know a problem I run into a lot as a lab is, let's say as a lab, I'm not happy about something and trying to communicate to the dentist rather than going through an assistant or the front desk. You're probably a little different. You're probably more open for communication, but I know it's something that a lot of labs run into. Any tips on how to get to the uh, person in charge? Yes. So I'm going to say a few tips. If this relationship is new or pretty new, what I would highly recommend is you set up a time. I mean, it's like dating or any relationship, right? We're always putting our best foot forward when we first mm-hmm. meet. So that's a great opportunity to sort of establish expectations on both sides. And so if you're new or newish with a dentist, I would set up a time to have a call and say, listen, well, I want to walk through some things to make sure we're always over delivering on your expectations. That's going to make me feel great as a dentist. It's music to my ears. And then define it. It's going to take us 30 minutes, an hour. Is this a good time? Is there a better time? And boom. If you've been working with me for a long time, there's a great psychological technique called the apology close. And it doesn't mean you've actually done anything wrong. But it sounds like a marriage thing. Yeah. So imagine like you (laughs) called me up and said, hey, David, you know what? I have to apologize. Like, I don't know that I've ever talk to you about like setting up a time for us to really talk about your expectations of us and how we can best help you and your patients. Like, are you okay with setting that up now? And it it gives you an opportunity to reboot. And then once you've, you've really listened to what I quote expect, then I would ask permission to say, Hey, listen, that's great. Um, Is it okay if I share with you what helps us, you know, work best on our side? I think a normal person's going to say, of course, Elvis. Yeah, we're in this thing together. Yeah. And if, if they're not a normal dentist, then maybe that's a red flag to say, do I really want to be working with this David Rice character? <laughs> yeah. And it's definitely, I've learned over the years, it's okay to have those relationships between dentists and labs that don't work. True. Yeah. That just communication is not good. Just the relationship doesn't work and it's okay, but it's... It's finding a way to kind of feed into the good ones to keep them going. I tell you what, though, if I can interject. So I yes. I do the very same thing with my doctors when I get to know them originally. And the very first time I give them my cell. And I think the younger doctors in this next generation and everybody that I've been dealing with, it's so much easier to text back and forth that they just love that because they don't have to go through calling the front desk and asking for me. And so for me, any of that communication that needs to happen automatically, I'm right on the text. Here's my name. Here's my number. And immediately we start off with that relationship. And then if I have to get them on the phone, I'll text, you know, doctor, I need to talk to you about so-and-so's case. And then what's a good time. And then immediately they're like, all right, I can do it at this time. And then we get each other on the phone. So I think that's really helped me seal the communication with a lot of my doctors up front before we ever get to the point where we have to do the, I'm sorry, we have never done this before. (laughs) And I'm in a pretty big lab. So, I mean, I think, you know, for any tech listening to us on this podcast now, that's really a great communication tip nowadays. Well, what about when you have so many different technicians working on one case? So a dentist will call in and say, can I talk to the person that made this? Well, 
six people made that. <laughs> what does a dentist prefer? Like an like an overall person, that specific person that did the specific step that you're having issues with? What would be beneficial to a dentist when communicating to a lab? I feel like that's where it would be helpful, you know, for me as a dentist to know who are the members of the team and what are their roles in the process. So I would know who the best person to speak to is. Okay. But, but also, honestly, like your guidance on the lab side to, to share, like, you know, hey, David, there's five people on this team that are going to, you know, do this type of work for you. The go-to person, if you have questions, thoughts, concerns, is so-and-so. Yeah. We just it, give you Barb's number. Yeah. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's, I think we immediately inspect, well, the digital and or the impressions when they come in. And so that's the person that would be the technical liaison between the doc about their impression, whether it's distortion or undercuts or anything like that. And then you've got your, a lot of our doctors want to see the designs now digitally. And it's so easy to text them a picture or email them a picture. So then that's another person. And then you have me and then, and then the implant person, but I would agree all this, there's probably three or four. Yeah. And it's hardly ever one person, Yeah, but you, you bring up a good point there, Barb, about us getting in bad impressions. Why do you send those, Dr. Rice? <laughs> Not you personally, of course, but they're so obvious sometimes. <laughs> uh, listen, I think, um, you know, and we've, we've talked a little offline through email, yeah. like you mentioned earlier. So there's a few reasons. And I, and I feel like if I'm working on the lab side, I'm, I'm thinking about dentists from a teachable versus unteachable. So, yeah, you know, teachable. I don't know what I don't know. So maybe I'm a pretty new graduate that did not do any sort of post-dental school program. That's very common today. And I landed in a practice with a seasoned dental team that really never took the time. So I'm just looking at them thinking like, oh, this must be okay. This is the way Mm. it's done. So I don't know what I don't know. And I think there's um, a second group of people who they know what is right and wrong, but they don't actually have the skill sets to do it. They're also teachable. They just have to learn how to retract, how to isolate. Maybe they need some education on working times and when to use a fast set versus a regular set. And then there's a third group of people, and this is really sad to say, but they just don't care. Yeah. And they're not teachable. And if I'm on the lab side and you, that's what you're getting day in and day out, I would you know, draw my line in the sand of where I'm comfortable working with a dentist and just where I'm not. And don't be afraid to fire me if I consistently don't deliver what you need. As a dentist, and if you're teachable, are you teachable from a lab? Are they willing to be taught? I think this is a, this is a great opportunity for labs and dentists to tag team. So if you have a strong relationship with a dentist, then yes, a dentist yeah. is very teachable by you. If you have a, an okay relationship or you don't really have a relationship with a dentist or groups of dentists, then what I would recommend is you get a dentist in the room, virtually, in person. Um, we do a ton of this with people. And let us be the bearers of bad news. You know, peer to peer, I can call a dentist out. 
and get away with it. It's probably not something most of you who work in a lab would want to do. <laughs> yeah. But if, if don't want to burn those bridges, yeah, right. You don't want to do that. But on the other hand, like it's otherwise, it's just supervising neglect. So imagine that myself or another dentist that you do have a great relationship, they taught the lessons and then they pulled you in as the next expert. Like it would be easy for me to say, hey, here's what I know as a dentist, but you know, we've got a, a much smarter person in the room than I. His name's Elvis. He's right here virtually or in person. And Elvis, you know, what do you need on your end? And that, that allows me to take sort of that doctor card and the trust factor that I inherently have and turn it over to you as someone on the lab side and, and, and make you as much of an expert and give you permission to kind of speak freely. What about bringing in manufacturers? Would you be open to, as a dentist, for me to come to you with Ivaclar, for example, and say, can we learn some techniques with this product? Are most dentists open to new clinical material suggestions? If I have a relationship with Ivaclar already, I'm going to love that. If I don't, I'm probably going to look at it as a potential pitch. Oh, um, I would still allow the dentist to do that. And same thing, Laura and I and, and, and Laura's team, we've done tons of work together over the years. And a lot of times I'm, you know, you can shoot me as the bad guy and, and same principle, right? I can share like, there's a reason this material isn't working for you or this technique isn't working for you. Try this yep. instead. I tell you, I find that a lot. I don't know whether it's yourself and a, and a lot of other educators are teaching dentists this, but a lot of times that they'll say, call me about material choice or choose the best material for this preparation and or this case. And, you know, they do put that in our hands and then I'll give them a call and we'll go over it. But I see that a lot more in the last five years than I ever did my career. And I think that is just so good that they're trusting us to indicate the correct material option for the cases. Yes. Especially with the preps. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just can't get away with doing an Emax on, on a prep or you have to have zirconia or you have something really dark you have to cover or, you know, there's just so many different scenarios. And so I love that personally. What do you think's better, Barb, giving an option for materials or just providing one choice? I think options because sometimes you're not going to, I mean, I've had doctors ask for zirconia veneers. Oh. And I'm thinking, why would you do that? And so, or choose best option and, you know, whether you want to bond or whether you want to cement and I'll call them and say, Hey, you know, I think this is a better option for this case. And they're like, whatever, you know, you're, you're the expert. And I, and I think that somewhere they're learning that the laboratory is an integral part in that role of helping them choose the best material for their patients. So then where does price come into play then, Barb, if they're leaving that decision up to you? Is that where you have a few different levels of, yes, of offerings? absolutely. So we do have a non-layered Emacs, which we were talking about previously. We have a layered Emacs, and then we've got a, a high-end, you know, Emacs Prime Zirconia, that's multi-layer. And then we've got a, you know, a regular Bruxer type. So I think it's good for the laboratory also to have options that they can offer the doctor that's not just $350. You know, you exactly. might be able to compromise if the patient can't choose that, but you can still give them a, a high quality option, you know, even though the patient might be more insurance driven. So I think for labs, you have to have those options. Right. So what do you think, Dr. Rice? Is that too many options? I mean, Barb just listed like what? I four said or five? four. Two zirconia and two Emacs. 
four. I always learn that you give people two, and that's it. (laughs) Because they'll never make a decision if it's over two. Is that a lot of options? What do you suggest? I I like options. I also like when you say two, it makes me think of something I like a lot, which is either or. It forces me to make a choice. So how I might have four options and go to an either or is you could start the conversation with me just like I do with my patients. Like, hey, David, let's talk about this. Are we looking for a 10 out of 10 aesthetics, a 10 out of 10 strength Mm -hmm. or something different and make me choose? Oh, I'm looking for 10 out of 10 strength or I want both. Okay. I want it all. Now I'm I'm narrowing the field and, and then, you know, you can deliver your expectations of what I have to deliver in order to get what I want. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. I love it. Thank you for siding with me, doctor. (laughs) Check is in the mail. (laughs) So Laura, can you tell us a little bit about your 100 year anniversary and what you guys have planned for Chicago and, and how Dr. Rice fits into that? Yeah, for sure. I'd love to. I mean, it goes without saying it's our 100 year anniversary in the dental industry. You know, it's a huge um, accomplishment. Not many people can get there. And it really is thanks to our our customers. And so what we wanted to do this year in Chicago is really celebrate that. And you'll see that in our grand ballroom A&B. We have a whole new look. Can't talk too much about it, but it's going to be very aesthetic and celebratory. We have an event on the Thursday night. So if you haven't been invited, uh, look me up, laura.gilbert at ivoclara.com. And so, yeah, we've got an event to celebrate that. But um, most importantly, you know, we really focused in on what can we bring to Chicago that's going to ultimately be the best information for our customers, both new and current customers. So we really care a lot about customization of our customers' journeys. So no matter where they are in the analog or digital um, space, we want to make sure that we can help them with maybe their next step in their journey or their workflow. So we do have our our digital specialist that'll be in our ballroom on Thursday afternoon just to come and and talk to them and get some one-on-one time. And then Friday and Saturday is really about lectures and seeing some of the the dental industry's leaders on stage. So, you know, we have everyone from denturists to lab technicians. So we'll have Lee Culp there. We have some tag team dentists and technicians um, with Dr. Ed McLaren and Jed Archibald. Um, So, you know, going back to what we were discussing previously, we do see a lot more um, of teaming of the dentist and the, and the laboratory um, on cases, especially when it comes to difficult cases. But um, you see a lot more of that. Uh, so we'll have Raphael Santrich. We have Hugo Hebert from, from Canada, as well as Esther Schwenning from Canada. Michael Roberts. Of those of you who know who Matt Roberts is, Michael is his son, and he's amazing. Oh. So he'll be there. Um, we have Yuki Mama. I am Farah. Uh, we've got a really nice lineup on both Friday and Saturday. And then, you know, I really wanted to make it so that people could really socialize and, and get to know everyone. Like there'll be a lot of people from our head office and from Liechtenstein um, there, as well as our corporate office in from Amherst. So um, we've just invited everyone to come in and 
come and see Voices from the Bench. You'll be there for two days broadcasting from the ballroom. And we encourage people to come in and talk to you. But we've also set up an influencer station. So throughout the two days, we've got some of the dental industry's influencers to come and do a meet and greet. They'll bring some cases that they've done. You can ask about their photography skills. Um, We've got some cameras coming um, as well as, you know, just tips and tricks for how they get their, not only their restorations to look fantastic and what their tips are on that, but also how to navigate the social media world. So we have uh, on Friday, we'll have Dr. Rice there. I think he'll be there at 10 a.m. We have Yuki Mama, Hugo Hebert, and Laura Prosser, who is our own digital marketing manager to help with digital marketing. And then on Saturday, we'll have Janelle Tabakovich and Danny Farago um, that will bring some of their cases. And so it's just really wanted to really make it collaborative and have everything there that a a laboratory um, or denturist for that matter would would want to see and people they want to speak with to have it there at their fingertips. I really love that you guys are having denturists and that you're putting the emphasis on that because Elvis and I have done many, many, many interviews with denturists and we, we find that that's just an excellent, excellent thing. And so that's, that's really remarkable that you guys are doing that as well. Well, I mean, denturists are near and dear to my heart coming from Canada. They were, they're a big focus and we have 2000 denturists in Canada. So you know, it's just a, a huge part of the profession. Um, so we're bringing in Esther Schwenning. She's a denturist out of uh, Prince George, BC. And then we've got Eric Kakuchka as well, who's a Canadian denturist. Um, you know, they they bring such a different viewpoint to the craft because they're cl- the clinician and the technician. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of the best of both worlds. We're marketing to them or helping them to build their own business because they make the decision and then they make the restoration. So um, I've learned so much from the denturists over the years and they really are um, fantastic. And I hear a lot more, I get contacted by a lot more um, dental techs in the U.S. wanting to be BPS certified, which is a a denturist um, certification for a equilibrated denture. Nice. Lots more from the U.S. these days. So it is becoming more and more popular. It is. It is. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot more about it. Yeah. That's what I was actually going to ask that previously was um, about the denturists and that there are a ton of them up in Canada. And what is the difference between Canada and the USA in terms of skill level? And then you just answered that. Yeah, there's as many denturists as labs. And oddly enough, 50% of them reside in the province of Quebec. Wow. So there's a huge population of them there. And it's a, it's a really neat industry and the people are, are amazing. Um, so there are a few um, denturist groups in, in the U.S. that are starting to reach out and wanting to get that um, more education on um, creating BPS type dentures, but they aren't able to take an impression. Whereas a denturist is the clinician, they can take the impression. They don't yeah. do anything that Dr. Rice can do, like um, implants or, you know, cutting of teeth, for example, yeah, but, yeah. Um, they can take the impressions and they can see the dentures and, and all that. So the whole weekend starts on Thursday. Thursday. Yes. 
is the ballroom open on Thursday, even though the exhibit hall is not open on Thursday? Yes. So our ballroom is open from uh, 12 till 3, where, you know, our equipment will be there. Our digital experts will be there. We actually have a a sold out course with Janelle Tabakovich, Nexco characterization for dentures on that same day. Yep. It sold out before we even promoted it. So (laughs) the power of social media right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially her. Yeah. 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 (laughs) We're absolutely so thrilled to have her there. So, but yeah, for us, it starts on Thursday and then on Friday and Saturday, we're opening that. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. The Thursday night party. That's what I'm getting to. Oh, party. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Chicago is really all about. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. Anybody can go to this Thursday night party. You just have to reach out. Well, we, we've sent out a lot of invites. So sure. we sent them out to the people that we do business with today, the ones that we hope to do business with tomorrow, some new contacts. And then, you know, some of the reps can send out invites to, you know, their trust. Okay, so it's an invite-only party. Pretty much. Yeah, I just don't want a bunch of people in Chicago saying, hey, I'm bored. <laughs> I'm bored, Let's yeah. Let's go crash it. <laughs> yeah, you got to know somebody. I get it. You got to know somebody. Okay. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to turn anyone away, but there's a capacity, right? Oh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially this year in Chicago, it's going to be packed. It's going to be packed. I have a feeling it's going to be huge. And Friday, just speakers all day. Speakers all day, um, because we have two ballrooms, they're connected, yet we kind of divide them. One half is all speakers. And then on the other half, we will have all of our equipment still set up. We've got you guys, voices from the bench, and we've got our dental influencer corner. So we have two spaces within one space, if you want to look at it that way. Um, Yeah. Yeah. From eight until three, we've got speakers pretty much every hour with a 15 minute break in between each one. So they start at eight and go to three o'clock. Wow, who's the lucky eight o'clocker? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> Esther Schwenning's going to kick it off, and and you know you wonder if it's going to be packed or not. But the eight a.m. spot is on Friday, is a lot of people do come out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is that um, standing room only, or do you register? Uh, you can register through the LMT website. Register for all of our lectures, but we have had situations where. We've had Yuki Mama there, and the seats are full, and it's it's standing room at the back. So, oh, I know, um, kind of yeah. both, but you should register. Okay. And what about any other courses? Is Janelle's the only one, or are there other courses hands on going on? That's the only hands on course that we're doing. We do have our Ivoclar Academy. If you go to our website and look at the academy, it it shows mm-hmm. all of our hands on courses in person at. Um, we have an academy in Amherst, one in Mississauga, Ontario. We, they're all over the world, but uh, and we have one in California. Those are the three for North America to get hands-on courses. But we have a lot of webinars that take place as well. So um, there's a lot of information there. But the only hands-on in Chicago would be the Janelle course. And then all of these great speakers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Every topic. And we've really tried to make it so that no two topics are the same. I really like the fact that you're going to have experts there that are bringing their cases that yeah. ceramists and technicians can go up and, and talk to them about the photography and surface texture and layering and what materials they use. I think that's huge. They're influencers for a reason. People are following them on social media because they love what they're seeing and want to know more. So why not bring that to the ballroom and Get up close and personal with your favorites and yep, and maybe learn that. a little something on the side. 
When they asked you to do this, Dr. Rice, what did you think of Influencer Corner? <laughs> it's kind of new. I've never heard of this before. You know, so I have a love-hate relationships with that word, but I know <laughs> <laughs> what I know about Ivo Clower and the people that Laura just mentioned who are part of this day and you guys being a part of this day is these are excellent clinicians, excellent lab techs, ceramists, the whole nine yards who happen to have influence. So that makes me a huge fan of it as opposed to just somebody who has, you know, 50,000 followers and doesn't have anything really to offer. And I think I get that, that for yeah. me is always the differentiator. I'm excited to be there. And, you know, I think it's really important. There's so much work for us to do from lab to dentist and dentist to lab. Uh, I'm really excited to tackle some tough topics with people and hear the frustrations and hopefully help problem solve. Are you bringing any cases? Or are you just going in there just seeing what people throw at you? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll bring, I'll bring some things with me as backup. But my real goal is to, I guess, understand what I know labs are going through on a daily basis. Like we mentioned one, like just bad impressions. Like, oh, my gosh. Um, so how do we overcome that together? Yeah. And I know that's probably just the tip of the spear. So if we can dive deep into the like real day-to-day problems and, and bring people solutions to those problems, I feel like we will have had a great couple of days together. We can solve one right now. Why do offices not understand how long it takes to do something in the lab? <laughs> <laughs> if we say we need six days, why is that so hard to understand? <laughs> I wouldn't think that would be a tough one to get, right? Um, but that's another like teachable or unteachable. So, you know, basically what's happening in my end? Do I not know how to communicate with my patient very well? Am I not making great temporaries? You know, what's happening on yeah. my side? And I think if I'm a lab and I could get me to talk out loud about what's going right or wrong in the dental practice, and then I was armed with solutions to those problems, then I'm probably going to do a whole lot more of what you'd like me to do than what I think I should be doing. Yeah. Every question's a loaded question with multiple layers of an answer. Absolutely. Doctor, how do you teach dentists or younger dentists to to deal with the emotional aspect of their patients or to to key in on something not being right in their heads to be able to deliver treatment with them or not be able to deliver treatment for them? Does that make sense? It does. So I'm, you know, it's I'm one of those weirdos that for every of the thousands of hours I've taken in clinical CE, I've matched them in human behavior. So we teach young dentists everywhere how to get to what's most important to every patient on that emotional level. I'm really glad you brought that up because if I can connect with the patient emotionally, then it's much easier for me to tie the clinical treatment to that emotion. And then somebody's listening to me. The problem in dentistry is there's so much pressure today to produce quickly. There's not as much time for a dentist or a team member to have a real conversation with the patient, yet it's chicken or the egg because there's absolutely enough time to do it. And if you make that time, all the other things go away. Insurance dependence goes away. Volume of patients goes away. The amount of new patients in goes away. Retention goes away. It all gets better. Interesting. And the only reason I ask that is because I've learned throughout my career how emotional people really are about their teeth and 
what they're looking for or not looking for. And, you know, I find with the provisionalization and, and going through all of those things that it's a lot easier to get where you need to go to the end result and make the patient happy as long as you're on the same page with them. And you're right. Sometimes you just don't have enough time and you're rushing through these cases. I'll do a, you know, six unit veneer case with no provisional. You know, there's just all of these things that are so important to the result and the end result of the case to not have a patient in tears because they, they're not getting what they wanted or what they expected. Yeah. And, you know, and that's just breaking down each individual pressure at a time and saying, OK, well, which one is it for you? David Rice, is this the one that's getting to you in your practice all day, every day? Is there a top three? And then, you know, my job is to help those dentists and those teams understand how to move past those because clearly we all know dental practices that have, and it's not rocket science. It's just new lessons that you have to take time to learn. Great. So Dr. Rice, you're there at 10 a.m. on Friday? I will be there. Yes. Yeah, I encourage everyone, head over to the Ivoclar ballroom during Lab Day Chicago and talk to these influencers and let's hit Dr. Rice with these hard-hitting lab questions <laughs> that he so uh, graciously came on to answer. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're all this thing together, right? Yep. Absolutely. And just all weekend, Ivoclar ballroom, A and B, you know, Barb and I have been talking about it on the podcast for a while, but... Yep. This is it. This is the event of the year. It's going to be great. 100 years. That's like super amazing. I don't know a whole lot of companies that get to that point. And you have to celebrate it. A lot happens in 100 years. That's for sure. (laughs) What was Iva Clark's first thing 100 years ago? Iva Clark was initially a denture tooth company. So Iva Clark stood for ivory and clarity. And so... We started out as a a technical company and then integrated clinical and over the the years. So we've evolved so much, not just in the hundred years, but just within the last 10 years, so much has changed and we're growing and it's a great place to be. And we're so excited to have Dr. Rice in our ballroom because, you know, it's a, it's a lab show, um, but we do have dentists that come through it. And I think that the laboratory technicians and the denturists will be really interested to talk to Dr. Rice because you're all over social media. You go live a lot. I, I tend to watch your lives a lot and really great information. You have patients on, you've connected with denturists and technicians as well. So I think it would be great for to have you there. It's just something different that we've not been doing before. Fantastic. Yeah, I think the whole event sounds amazing. And Barb and I look forward to being there we all do, weekend. We do. Can't yeah. wait. Looking forward to have you, all of you. <laughs> yep. Awesome. So we hope to see everybody else there. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, we appreciate you guys for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you in Chicago. Thank you. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yep. We'll see you there. Outside of the podcast, I actually have a real job. I know, it's hard to believe. I get to work directly with dental offices to provide amazing smiles to patients. But don't we all? But I do it with data instead of a handpiece or a mill. I use data that most labs already have but don't know how to access it or use it. Enter iCortica. I-C-O-R. 
T-I-C-A. If your lab is already using Magic Touch, great, you're halfway there. If you aren't, then go get Magic Touch just so you can use iCortica. It will be worth it. Let's be honest, access to easy to understand information is the key to any sales or customer service position. Did I mention that they have bar graphs? This is exactly what iCortica does for me on a daily basis. Every morning, I wake up to an email showing me the risks and the opportunities across all of the customers. I can then dive in to see specific customer information and look at so much like sales by product, trends by category or restoration. I can see all the notes and I can even see their remake percentage. It allows me to know who I should talk to about what without having to spend hours digging into production software or making a ton of Excel spreadsheets. It's all right there. Every metric I need to be successful. So do yourself and your lab a favor and head over to icortica.com forward slash voices or send Rob Nazell an email at rob at icortica.com and start understanding your dental offices in a way you never had before. Check out this episode's show notes for all of those links, and we thank you for your support of the podcast, iCortica, and I personally thank you for making my job easier. A super big thanks to Laura and Dr. Rice for taking time out of their super busy days to chat with us about all of the exciting things that they are doing. Guys, you got to take advantage of this amazing opportunity to chat with all of those great people that will be at the Iva Clark Ballroom over the weekend. They've got an amazing lineup on stage, an ever-revolving group at the Influencer Corner. That's pretty cool. All the Iva Clark people and two Elvis and I who are recording the podcast. Which we're not going to mention. No, we're not going to mention <laughs> You will definitely want to make sure that the Iva Clark Ballroom, Grand Ballroom, is a place that you will want to stop by for a few times over LMT Lab Day Chicago. Take your clinical questions to Dr. Rice as he will be there on Friday, but so many more will be there for the sole purpose of answering you guys' questions. So head over to lmtmag.com forward slash Clark for a list of all the speakers and to plan out your weekend. And of course... Come find Elvis and I, because we will be there recording all weekend, nonstop, with your stickers and your shirts and all your other stuff. Lots of swag, and we are just about two weeks. We're less than two weeks away, so this is super exciting. So awesome, everybody. That's all we got for you, and we will talk to you next week. See ya. We'll see you next week, actually. Oh, my gosh, we will. We'll see you next week. We will see everybody next time. Is it 2.55? I should double check that. <laughs> <laughs>